again to us this morning that all we need is to have the revelation of Jesus Christ. That all we need is to have an encounter with this particular revelation. Father, we thank you. And this morning we ask Holy Spirit that you have your way. We welcome you afresh in our midst this morning. The spirits of the living God. We welcome you. We ask that you fill us afresh this morning. We ask that you baptize us afresh this morning. We ask that you make the heavens to be opened unto us this morning. We ask that you fill this tabernacle with your presence like never before. Father, every soul that has stepped into this place today will not go the same way. Father, we shall be filled and be refilled in the name of Jesus. Father, we shall be empowered to go into the world and make a difference for you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Have your way. The service belongs to you. Let no flesh be seen. Let your spirit take control. In the name of Jesus, we silence every walk of darkness, every evil in this place, we trust them and we bring them to nothing. In the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost, have your way and touch our lives like never before. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Can you do something for Jesus? Hallelujah. Amen. I want to thank God for bringing us to church this morning, alive, healthy. And um, it's a special service, Pentecost Sunday. So we return all the glory to him in the name of Jesus. I also want to thank the venerable Professor Samiki and the entire clergyman for this awesome privilege to share with us this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. I also want to use this opportunity to thank the church before we go into what we have for your prayers. For my daughter, Adira, who had series of surgeries in Turkey. You know, your prayers, we are very encouraging. The, or the, you know, they were very, very encouraging. And may the Lord bless all of us, even for your support in Jesus' name. Amen. By God's grace, on Sunday, they will be in church. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Amen. So today is Pentecost Sunday. It's a special Sunday as far as the church calendar is concerned. And we know that the Holy Ghost is already in this place. And as many that are expectant this morning, as many that are in church with an expectation in their hearts, I'm very, very certain that 
who will receive an empowerment from God, who will have an encounter by the workings of the Holy Ghost that will move us to the next level in our work and ministry in the name of Jesus. So Pentecost Sunday is, just like I said, is a day that will remember the dissension of the Holy Ghost upon the apostles and disciples. It happened on the Pentecost day. You know, they were in a place and they were praying and the Holy Ghost came upon them. So today we are remembering that very wonderful memorial experience they had with the Holy Spirit. And the truth is that as far as Christianity is concerned, there is nothing, absolutely nothing we can do without the Holy Spirit. Amen? There is nothing we can do without the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Whatever difference you want to make in life as a child of God, you need the partnership. You need the collaboration, close partnership with the Holy Ghost for you to make that difference. Our theme for the year is go ye into the world and make disciples. This mandate, this go ye mandate cannot be fulfilled. It cannot come to pass without the participation, without the involvement of the Holy Ghost. This particular mandate needs an empowerment in order for it to be fulfilled. And that empowerment can only come through the Holy Ghost. Amen. So there is nothing we can do without Him. If you look at the process of, of ministering the word, the process of conviction, the process of transformation, the process of doing exploit for God, you will always see the Holy Ghost at the center of it all. It is my prayer this morning that the Lord will bring us to the point or to the level where our greatest ambition in life will be the Great Commission. Where the thing that we aspire more will no longer be driven by the things we see. You know, we no longer be the things that people want to attain. The success is according to human definition of success. But let it be that our greatest ambition, our greatest desire will be the Great Commission. And if that becomes our greatest ambition, then we need constantly the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's look at our text for today. Acts of Apostles, chapter 2. From the book of Acts, we're going to see a few things. About five points there. Acts, chapter 2, from verse 1 to 4. Acts chapter 2 from verse 1 to 4. We're going to see how the apostles and the disciples had an encounter that turned them to become extraordinary human beings. The Bible said that they turned the world upside down. Some of them were illiterate. Some of them didn't know anything. Some of them were scared and afraid. Some of them lacked boldness and confidence. But by virtue of this encounter, their lives turned around. Acts chapter 2 from verse 1. Let me read. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. 
Somebody say suddenly. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled. Say it. They were all they were all with the Holy Ghost. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. Amen. This is an encounter of a lifetime. An encounter of a lifetime. We're going to look at five things from this scripture. The first one, they were all in one place and in one accord. They were all in one place and in one accord. If you remember the book of Luke chapter 24 verse 49, Jesus speaking to them, he said, Behold, I send you the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry in the city of where? Of where? Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with the power from above. So in obedience to this particular commandment, they were together in the city of Jerusalem in one accord in unity in obedience to what Christ told them because before he left he said you need you need this power as I'm leaving you there is something you need that will carry you through in these assignments that I have given to you but for you to get it you need to tarry you need to stay in a place because at that point they were scared they were frustrated they were asking so many questions. You know, they were, they were not sure of what will become of them when Jesus leaves. They were not sure. He has given, they've seen what Jesus did. Different signs, different miracles, different wonders. And how he did a whole lot of things. And Christ was telling the men, I'm going to leave you people alone. And they were, they were afraid. But Jesus said, you need to tarry in a place. As you tarry in that place, I'm going to send a force, a supernatural force in the person of the Holy Ghost that will carry you through ministry. At some point he told them that greater works shall you do. Forget about the things I've done. But greater works shall you do. And these men had this encounter. And through them the word of God spread like white fire all over the world. If not for this encounter, maybe you and I may not have received the gospel. Amen. Second thing, the apostles and disciples, we are actually praying. They were praying. They were not just gathered together and started laughing and playing around and all of that. They were praying. They were full of expectation. They knew that Christ had told them something. They knew that there was a promise they were waiting for. So they didn't just relax. Brethren, when the Lord has promised you something, you don't need to relax. You need to pray. Amen? And they understood this particular principle. And they were praying. They were praying. And the truth is that every move of God 
if you study revival very well, you will discover that every move of God is preceded by prayers. Every move of God. The great awakening revival in the U.S., the first one, the second one, the civil war revival in the U.S., all the revival, even the one that took place in the southeast so many years ago as I heard, they were all products of concerted prayers. So the disciples, they understood it. And they were praying in expectation, trusting for the release of that grace upon their lives. I read something recently about the Azusa Street Revival. I'm going to read it. So that you will discover that prayers is what triggers revival. Amen? Azusa Street Revival, 1906. Listen carefully. It says, in 1906, William J. Semwa, an African-American holiness pastor, blind in one eye, went to Los Angeles to candidate for a pastoral job. But after he preached, he was locked out in the second service. He began a prayer meeting in a nearby home. And the Spirit of God, which they called the second blessing, fell after many months of concerted prayers. Did you hear that? After many words, many months of concerted prayers, eventually the interracial crowds became so large, they acquired a dilapidated Methodist church at 312 Azusa Street, where daily meetings continued for three years. The resulting Pentecostal movement of today and the charismatic movement, which both exploded worldwide in the 20th century, became both traced both traced their roots to this revival amen without prayer there is no move of god amen so this african-american preacher had to call some people together and they started praying it was that concerted prayers not for one month not for one day not for one week that triggered the revival that we call the Azusa Street Revival that gave birth to, the, to today's Pentecostal church and the charismatic movement. Tell your neighbor, prayers. Tell your neighbor, prayers. Precedes the move of God. Say it again, prayers. Precedes the move of God. Say it again for the last time, prayers. Precedes the move of God. Number three thing we're going to see from that particular scripture we read is the Holy Ghost descended on them as of a rushing mighty wind. The Holy Ghost descended on the apostles. And fourthly, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them more thrones. Amen. So that experience led them to begin to speak in an unknown tongues. The speaking in an unknown tongues evidenced that experience they had. It evidenced that experience and they began to speak in an unknown tongues. Speaking in tongues as wonderful as it is is beyond the things. It's beyond is far below the workings of the Holy Ghost. 
So that you are filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues, fine and good. But there is something more that God expects from us apart from speaking in tongues. Sometimes we ask people, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? They say yes. With the evidence of speaking in tongues, they say yes. Fine. But if you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues and you pray in tongues, but you are not fulfilling the divine mandates of Great Commission, then you are undermining the power that you carry. The Holy Ghost is not just in you for the purpose of speaking in tongues only. If you read where we read today and you read it down, you will now begin to see the manifestation of that experience they had. As Peter became so bold and he started preaching and the Bible said 3,000 souls gave their lives to Christ that very day. So the Holy Ghost in us is not just for us to be speaking in tongues. No. It's not just for us to be carrying Bible. No. It's not just for us to be coming to church. No. It's not just for people to know that we are the children of God. No. You must be involved in the task of winning souls. That is the reason for the empowerment. That is the major reason for the empowerment. So many of us are undermining the power that we carry. When you carry the Holy Ghost in you and you are not involved in soul winning, you are not involved in great commission, you are just like a generator. You are like a generator that is on, but it's not connected to anything. It's just making noise, making sounds. People are hearing the sounds all around, but there is no result coming out of that generator. There is no fruit coming out of that generator. It's just making noise. The greatest thing that can happen to that generator is that the generator will begin to service itself because it needs to be on. So, so many of us are carrying the Holy Ghost in us and we are generating power and not putting that power to use. And we're not putting that power to use. We are not producing any result. A man full of the Holy Ghost is just like, and, and is not involved with soul winning. It's just like that fig tree that Jesus saw. And it was looking so beautiful and greenish. But there is no fruit coming out of it. So this morning the Lord is going to challenge us for us to begin to understand who we carry. And begin to partner with the Holy Ghost for the purpose of soul winning. Which is the heartbeat of God. Winning soul is the heartbeat of God. Evangelism is the heartbeat of God. Any other thing you are doing as a child of God that is not geared towards winning soul, my brother, you are in error. Anything at all you are doing, this is the last wish of Jesus. He said, go ye into the world and make disciples of all nations. So this morning our topic says empower to make a difference in the world. There is no way you can make a difference without the Holy Ghost in you. There is no way. There is no way. It is not possible. In your schools, in your workplaces, in your homes, anywhere you find yourself, you need the Holy Ghost to make a difference. You need the Holy Ghost to transform lives. You need the Holy Ghost to change people's situations from wherever it is. To what God has destined for them. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor you need the Holy Ghost. Tell yourself I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. 
a man that, that lives under the influence and government of the Holy Spirit will not only speak in tongues, but will also fulfill ministry. God has given us ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. So the Holy Ghost is not for some people. It's not for pastors. It's for all of us. So when your life is under the influence of the Spirit, when your life is under the influence of the Holy Ghost, under the government and the will of the Holy Ghost, it goes beyond speaking in tongues. You begin to appreciate the ministry of God upon your life, the call of God upon your life, and you will begin to fulfill it. Amen. Now we're going to look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. After which we'll have some time to pray. Amen. The ministry of the Holy Ghost is very, very important. And from the scriptures, we discover that the Holy Ghost has a ministry or an influence over creation. There are three folds to the ministry of the Holy Spirit from the Bible. Three folds. The first one is over creation, the ministry of the Holy Ghost to creation. Then the second one is the ministry of the Holy Ghost to unbelievers. And the third one is the ministry of the Holy Ghost to believers. These are the three folds where you can see the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When you talk about the creation, you discover that the Holy Ghost has an influence over everything that you see, even plants and animals. The Bible says that He is the life-giving Spirit. So whatever that has life can be influenced by the Holy Spirit. Let's read Genesis chapter 1. We'll see His influence over creation. Genesis chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3. Genesis 1 from verse 1 to 3. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was what? And there was what? That is the Holy Ghost in action, even in creation. The Bible says that the earth was without form and void. It was shapeless. It was formless. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God was hovering all around the waters. That is the workings of the Holy Ghost. The workings of the Holy Ghost. It was hovering over the face of the waters. And after the Holy Ghost has created the proper atmosphere, God said, let there be light. And there was light. That is the Holy Ghost in action, even in creation. Even the birth and the conception of Jesus was as a result of the ministry of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is involved in creation. The Holy Ghost is involved in creation. You can lay your hands as a man on the stomach of your wife and pray by the Holy Ghost for a conception. Amen. The Holy Ghost is involved in creation. The plants and the animals, as you see them, they are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to dwell much time here. Let's look at his ministry to unbelievers. John chapter 16, 7 and 8. John chapter 16, if you're there, you can help me read. 
John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Amen. Amen. He said that he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of what? Judgment. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your own advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And he will come. He will convict the word of sin. He will convict the word of righteousness and of judgment. Amen. The ministry of the Holy Spirit to unbelievers is to convict them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. To convict them. That is what the Holy Ghost does to unbelievers. That's why I tell people, don't trivialize you know, the experience of People coming out to give their lives to Christ. Don't, don't look at it as a small thing. It is a function of the ministry of the Holy Ghost. Signs and wonders cannot convict you. Amen? Miracles cannot do conviction. It is the Holy Ghost that convicts. Eloquency, the way you talk, your wisdom as a man, your ideology and your philosophy and everything about you cannot convict. It is the workings of the Holy Ghost that does the conviction. Even Jesus himself did a lot of signs and wonders, yet some people did not believe in him. So no matter how good signs and wonders is, it can never take the place of the convincing power of the Holy Ghost. It is the Holy Ghost that brings conviction. It is the Holy Ghost that brings conviction to sinners. He begins to expose, as you're preaching the word, as you're ministering to them, he begins to expose their emptiness to them. He begins to expose their sinful nature to them. It is the Holy Ghost that does that. As he's exposing, that is the conviction he's doing. Convincing them of their sin. Exposing their emptiness, their sinful nature to them. If you can remember how you gave your life to Christ, you will be able to, 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 to agree with what I'm saying. Because that conviction will be there first. Convincing you of your sin. And then he will begin to expose the righteous standard of God to you. After convincing you of your sin, he will begin to expose the righteous standard of God. And then he will open your eyes to begin to see the judgment that is ahead of us. So these three things are the things that the Holy Ghost does. As he's convicting you, your heart is being pricked. That was what happened in, the, in where we read in Acts of Apostles chapter 2. As Peter was preaching to them, the Bible said something. It said that it, it, the, the message caught their hearts. It cuts their hearts. It pricks their hearts. That's why sometimes when you see people, you know, during ministration, they are crying. 
It is the Holy Ghost that is doing that. It is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is doing the work in their lives. Our brother Dr. Ebukogu said the other day when he was preaching that he was talking to somebody, you know, and all of a sudden the person started crying. That tears are not just normal tears. They are not crying because of, you know, their emotions. Something is happening on their inside. I remember the day I gave my life to Christ. It was also the same experience. We have a lot of Christians today who don't even have any conviction inside of them. Come and give your life to Christ. They will just be walking majestically, chewing gum, and be coming to the altar. You look at them, you will not see that conviction in them. And tomorrow they are shouting that they are born again. That's why if you want to preach to anybody, now don't ask the person, are you born again? If you ask the person, are you born again? He will say, yes, I am born again. Everybody is born again today. Don't ask that question. Go straight and preach the word and allow the Holy Ghost to do the conviction. It is not your responsibility to convince. As you're preaching the word to the person, the Holy Ghost will begin to do that which only him can do. That is the only ministry he has as far as unbelievers are concerned. His ministry is not to condemn them, but his ministry is to expose their true nature to them. They will begin to see who they are. How naked, how empty they are. And they will begin to see the righteous standard of God and the judgment. Those things are the things that will now you know, come together to form the basis of the foundation of their Christianity. So if you're here today and you know that you didn't experience it the way it is, you need to revisit that foundation again. That conviction must be there. It is that conviction that will make you to say no to sin when the sin comes to you. It is that conviction that will tell you to, that, 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 that will tell you don't go this place, don't join these people, don't do this thing again. It is that conviction, and it is the Holy Ghost that does it. It is His ministry, and the Holy Ghost does this ministry simultaneously. So, if you are genuinely born again, you must have noticed that the day you gave your life to Christ, the Holy Ghost was dealing with the same issue in your life. And he was also opening your eyes to the righteous standard of God and the judgment that could be for you if you fail to make that decision to follow Christ. Amen. Amen. Then we're going to look at the ministry of the Holy Ghost to believers. The ministry of the Holy Ghost to believers. This is very, very important. Very, very important. Before I go into this, I want to share a testimony you know, about the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. Just a brief testimony. I remember some years ago, I, I went to minister in a school. You know, so as I was ministering, the Holy Ghost actually led me to that particular school to minister. I didn't plan to go there. You know, so I went there and they were all gathered. So I was preaching and ministering. I just noticed that a lot of people were crying. Students, secondary school, school, secondary school students, they were crying. So in my mind, I was wondering what could be making them to, to cry. 
You know, because even the message I was preaching was just a normal message of giving your life to Christ. You know, but the Holy Ghost converted that simple message. Converted it. And began to use that message to cut the hearts and circumcise the hearts of these little kids. And the result that in fact was for them to start shedding tears. And they were crying profusely. I was confused myself. Brokenness. Brokenness. If you're here and God cannot take you to the place of brokenness, where you come before him and shed tears, then you still need another touch of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit will break you. The Holy Ghost will make you to, to see that you need God part time. The Holy Ghost will make you to be unsatisfied with the dimension you are operating as a Christian. With your level. So whoever you think you are, you need the Holy Ghost. So brokenness is not just for unbelievers. You can also be broken as a child of God. The Bible says that a broken heart and a contrite spirit, the Lord will not despise. One of the things I do, I do it, and I'm proud to say that I do it, is that whenever I am in the presence of God, especially when I'm alone, I lie before him. I lie before him. I make him understand that without him, I am nothing. Do you know how big God is? Do you know how great God is? Who are you to stand before him? The ministry of the Holy Ghost to believers, it starts from the day you gave your life to Christ. And it, and it will end, it will continue to the day you transit to glory. And this ministry is also in two folds. The ministry of transformation and the ministry of empowerment. The ministry of the Holy Ghost to us as Christians is in transformation and you can also find it when it comes to empowerment. Transformation is that process that brings us to the fullness of the person of Christ. And there is no way you will get to that level without the workings of the Holy Spirit in your life. So as you have given your life to Christ, which the Holy Ghost played a role in, and you are talking about being transformed to the fullness of the image of Jesus, where you begin to think like Jesus, where you begin to speak like Jesus, whenever you want to take a decision, you ask yourself, what will Jesus do in this particular situation? It is the Holy Ghost that will transform you into becoming like Jesus. The Holy Ghost is the agency authorized to take advantage of the word of God and sponsor transformation in our lives. He is the only agency authorized to do that. The word of God without the, the, the breath of God on it will not profit us anything. You can be studying the Bible. Some people know Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But the spirit behind that word is lacking inside of them. That's why we have a lot of Christians today who have the form of godliness. But the power thereof is lacking. The word of God is not enough. It must be embellished by the Holy Ghost. 
He is the agencies created to take advantage of that word and sponsor transformation with it in our lives. Amen. Amen. John chapter 16 verse 3 says the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truths. As you're, as you're seeking for transformation, you need the guidance of the Holy Ghost to guide you into all truths. Into all truths. Into all truths. There are some truths you will get. When you're not supposed to get it, it becomes destructive to you. So you need the constant guidance of the Holy Ghost as you're seeking the truth. The Bible says that the prosperity of a fool will do what? Will destroy him. You just give your life to Christ and all you are interested in is, the, is prosperity messages. How to prosper. How to make money. How to have different kinds of cars. How to have a helicopter. And start flying like Bishop Oedepo. You know? And that is your desire. You just give your life to Christ. You will discover that that desire is what will destroy you. Amen? Amen? When you've not known, when you've not sat down, the Holy Ghost has not taught you that owners are rebels in the kingdom. That we don't own anything. That we are custodians of wealth. That it belongs to God. And whoever he chooses, he gives it to. And he wants to make money by all means. Without knowing again that we are supposed to be dead to flesh. Prosperity is not bad. But there is a knowledge you need before that. So the Holy Ghost guides us into all truth sequentially. Sequentially. As you're seeking for transformation, He's bringing the right words to you. As you're aligning with Him, as you're yielding yourself to Him, He's teaching you things step by step, precept upon precept. Building you up. Building you up. Getting you ready. And when the time for you to know those things comes, he will also bring them to you. So we have a lot of Christians today who do not depend on the Holy Ghost. And they pick one message. And they pick one message. And they are running with it. Wrecking havoc everywhere. Because they lack foundation. The Holy Ghost guides us into all truths. He guides us into all truths. Part time, he knows what to teach you. And when you don't align yourself with him, you're just like that child that's supposed to be drinking milk and he's taking bones and taking all manner of things. That bone will destroy that child. So you need the Holy Ghost in our journey onto transformation because it's a process. It's a process. You need him part time to keep teaching you, to keep guiding you. There's a book somebody may bring to you, the Holy Ghost in you will tell you no. It's not that the book is bad. But because you have the Holy Ghost in you, he will say this is not the right time for me to read this book. Keep it. There's some conversations you want to have with people. The Holy Ghost will restrain you. Say no. It is not time for you to get this particular knowledge. He keeps guiding you. So the Holy Ghost guides us into all truths. Into all truths. Amen. Amen. 
So we need the Holy Ghost. That is the ministry of transformation. The Holy Ghost can transform any man. Any man. Irrespective of who you are. Irrespective of your level of education. He can transform you. The apostles, we are ordinary men. Some of them, we are fishermen. Some of them didn't go to school. But look at their epistles today. Will you be able to tell that they didn't go to school? You won't. Because they've been under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I remember, I remember my, my wife's grandmom, you know, who died at the age of 92 or thereabouts. She didn't go to school. She didn't go to school. But whenever you come close to her, she will begin to quote scriptures. Even scriptures that you that went to school don't know. She will be quoting scriptures for you. And she knew those scriptures. And the greatest thing there is that she wasn't even seeing. At the, t- at the time I met her, she was totally blind. But she will tell you, That is the Holy Ghost. That you may be seeing, but, but to her, that she sees far much better than you. Because she has the spiritual eyes. She didn't go to any formal education. But she can read the Bible. She understands the scriptures. So you don't have any excuse. You can be changed by God. You can be changed by the Holy Ghost. You can be changed by the Holy Ghost. No excuse. No excuse. Once the Holy Ghost comes upon you, that spirit of shyness will disappear. Your life will change. You become an epitome of the glory of God. Anywhere you find yourself. Anywhere you find yourself. My experience is an example. I gave my life to Christ at the age of 14. I was in secondary school then. But after I gave my life to Christ, it took some time before I got baptized by the Holy Ghost. And within the period I gave my life to Christ, to the period I, 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 I had an encounter with the Holy Ghost, we are more like fruitless period. Fruitless. Little or no results. I was just comfortable that I'm a child of God. I was just comfortable that if the trumpet sounds today, I'm going to heaven. But life as a believer is beyond that. I was so shy that I can't stand before people and tell them about God. Until I got admission into the university. But I remember one day, one night... Before that night, I was asking God, this experience, I want to have it. I want to have this experience. I see people talking about the Holy Spirit and all of that. To me, it wasn't real. To me, I I, I wasn't feeling the genuineness and the reality of the Holy Ghost. Though I was born again. But that night, in Nifer's Fellowship, 2006, Nifer Impartation Service, in Nifes in Unizik, we have Nifa. Nifa is Nifes Follow-Up Academy. So when you pass through the Follow-Up Academy, you will now, before they graduate you, you will have an impartation service before your graduation. So that night, I told God, this particular night, I will not leave you until you release this promise on me. I was full of expectation. I said, no, I can't remain like this. I need your transformation. That very night, as message was going on and the time for Holy Ghost baptism came, the power of the Lord was all over me. It was all over me. 
I had an encounter that I will never forget in my life. And the Holy Ghost took hold of me. I lost consciousness of where I was. I was under the influence like a drunken man. Throughout the night, even to the morning, I was still under the influence. I didn't know how I got home that very night. That is what the Holy Ghost does. And after that day, something, is like something entered inside of me. And that spirit of shyness and shamelessness just went out. And all of a sudden, I started seeing myself in buses preaching. Amen. From Thames sites to Palm sites. Even when I'm not going to school, I enter the bus and I preach. I say, praise God. The very first thing I wanted to do it, I was scared. I was like, what if I say praise the Lord and nobody responds? Holy Ghost said, just say praise the Lord. They will respond. I said, but what will I say? Say, just say praise the Lord. As soon as you say praise the Lord, what you will say will enter. And one day I tried it. I stood up, I said, praise the Lord. Everyone say, hallelujah. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And from that moment, I began to preach. The Holy Ghost can transform lives. The Holy Ghost can change you. When the Spirit takes over your soul, when the Spirit takes over your soul, you will be changed and the glory will be revealed when the Spirit takes over your soul. Join me and sing this song. When the Spirit takes over your soul, when the Spirit takes over your soul, you will be changed, and His glory will be revealed when the Spirit takes over. When the Spirit takes over my soul, when the Spirit takes over my soul, when the Spirit takes over my soul, I will be changed, and His glory. When the spirit takes over my soul, I'll be changed. I'll be changed. His glory will be revealed. When the spirit takes over my soul, let this be your prayer. Let the Spirit take over my soul. Holy Ghost, take over my soul. Holy Ghost, take over my soul. When the Spirit takes over my soul. 
Transformation without empowerment is another error. You may be filled with a lot of knowledge of God. But you need the power from above. There is no ministry without empowerment. We cannot make any difference in our world today without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself had to be empowered before he launched into ministry. If you read the Bible, the book of Luke chapter 3 from verse 21 to 23, the experience of Jesus with John the Baptist on the day he was baptized. After the baptism, the Bible said that the, the Spirit of God descended upon him like what? Like a dove. That was an empowerment. And after that day, he began his ministry. So if Jesus needed empowerment, who are you? Who am I? Not to need the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. He had to descend on him. He had to descend on him. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 from verse 19 and 18. Let's see what the empowerment did in the life of Jesus. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has empowered me. To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, To proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus talking. The Holy Ghost had to empower him. And we began to see the results of that empowerment. He began to preach to the poor. There is no ministry without empowerment. There is no ministry without empowerment. Jesus, for him to begin to preach the gospel, for him to begin to heal the brokenhearted, for him to begin to proclaim the liberty to the captives, for him to recover the sight of the blind, for him to set liberty those who were oppressed, for him to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, he needed an empowerment of the Holy Ghost. This morning, the Lord is going to empower us. I didn't hear your amen. amen. This morning, the Lord is going to empower us. 
Jesus was empowered. And even before he set his disciples out, he also empowered them. He empowered them. Look at Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. Matthew 10 verse 1. Amen. I think it's not Matthew 10 verse 1. It is, okay. Matthew chapter 10 verse 1. If you're there, you can help me read. So one. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, yes. he gave them power over unclean spirits yes. to cast them out yes. and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Yes, yes. So you see Jesus empowering his disciples after he had called them. Understanding the importance of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And when he had called the twelve disciples to himself, he gave them power over unclean spirits. This morning the Lord will give us power over unclean spirits in the name of Jesus. To cast them out. He gave them power to heal the sick. This morning the Lord will release the healing anointing on us in the name of Jesus. To heal the sickness and every kind of diseases. There is nothing the Lord cannot do through us. You cannot fulfill the going mandate. I keep saying it without the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. A Christian without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit will propose a lot of principles. A lot of ideologies, a lot of theologies, but there is no power to validate them because the empowerment is not there. You'll be filled with knowledge, head knowledge, theology. Genesis, go Leviticus, everything from Genesis to Revelation. Who are you to tell me what the word of God says? But the question is, is there power? To validate that you claim to know. It is the Holy Ghost that empowers. It is the Holy Ghost that empowers. The reason for the experience they had on the Pentecost day was for them to launch out. That was why the Bible said in the book of Acts 1 verse 8. For you shall receive what? For you shall receive what? Power. Dunamis. After the Holy Ghost had come upon you. He said, tarry you in Jerusalem until you are endued with what? Until you are endued with what? Power. We need power. I am tired of Christianity without power. I am tired of shouting I'm a child of God, but there is nothing to validate that that I claim to be. There is nothing. Ordinary small thing will begin to shake. Ordinary small thing, you begin to shake. Some people will even go to the extent of cursing God because of the challenges and adversities of life. We need the power. If there is anything lacking in today's church, it's the power of the Holy Ghost. It is lacking. It is lacking. That's why people come to church and they go the same way they came. Because there is no supernatural force. Supernatural force that can move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. We need power. 
that's why you go to your workplace, you are just like every other person in your workplace. The very first day I stepped into my office, a pastor there came to me and said, I'm seeing something in you. We have a fellowship. The next day he said, you are going to preach in the fellowship. Just within one week. People are supposed to see you and they see the glory of God upon your life because of what you're carrying on your inside. You can't carry the Holy Ghost on your inside and you're full of power, yet there's nothing to show for it. I am tired of powerless Christianity. Brethren can no longer pray for the sick because they don't even have the faith that God can still heal. Brethren are scared of casting out demons. Because they themselves may be possessed by higher demons. Power is lacking. Power is lacking. This morning I'm trusting God to release the power of the Holy Ghost upon us. Let the fire of God come upon us afresh. Even me. Let every dryness in me disappear. Let every dead thing in me come to life. Harvest is ripe. Destinies are waiting and looking up to us. The endless expectation of the creation awaits for a manifestation. Hi, why shall we remain like this when the Holy Ghost is available? So this gift is for you. It's for your children. And it is even for every other person that will call. The Holy Ghost is the one that makes the difference. He's the initiator of the power. He's the power of God himself. And you can't carry him on your inside. And you're living like an ordinary human being. Nothing to show for it. Nothing. Form of godliness. Denying the power thereof. He said, have nothing to do with them. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 5. Have nothing to do with them. So according to this scripture, we are supposed to even be avoiding ourselves. Because most of us are, are empty without power. Christianity without power is like Islam. It's like Islam. It is the power that makes the difference. That power that raised Jesus from death. Bible says that same spirit that raised him from death dwells inside of us. That he shall quicken our mortal bodies. Why are we dead? Why are we sleeping? The Bible says, Why men slept? The enemy came and saw tars. There, there are tars in the church today. Because men and women who are supposed to be filled with the Holy Ghost and manifest the glory and the power of God to their generation, they are sleeping. We cannot afford to disappoint God and our generation. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost. Empowered to make a difference. That empowerment must be there. What are you doing? Are you at, this, are you at the state of do nothing? All you are satisfied with is you are a child of God. If Jesus wanted you to go to heaven today, you became born again. He would have killed you that same day. But there is something he wants you to do for him here. Yeah. 
There is a purpose you are carrying on your inside. There is an assignment and mandate of God on your inside. But because of lack of fire, lack of power, we are at ease in Zion. Bible says, woe to him who is at ease in Zion. That Nigeria is the way it is today is because we lack Christians with power. We lack Christians with power. We lack Christians with power. Holy Ghost, fire, fire, fall on me. Holy Ghost, fire, fire, fall on me. Just like the day of Pentecost, fire fall on me. Just like the day of Pentecost, fire fall on Like the day of Pentecost, fire fall on me. Oh, just like the day of Pentecost, fire fall. 